It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday to you all. Hope you all are doing great out there in Cougar Nation, wherever you might be. Another edition of Locked On Cougars is here, and boy, howdy, do we have a lot to cover on today's episode. We continue on with the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown, 1986, the back half of the 1980s, kind of the forgotten part of an epic decade for BYU. How did things go? We'll talk about that. We'll also continue our position previews. Today, we're talking about the nose tackle position for BYU. How are the Cougars going to replace now Chicago Bear Kyrus Tonga? We'll get to that. And of course, catch you guys up on everything else going on in BYU sports. An All-American citation handed out, among other things, we'll cover ahead on the podcast. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at the Locked On College Football Channel. I've told you guys about this before, but want to encourage you once again to check out the different conference shows that are out there, whether it's the ACC, SEC, Pac-12, Big Ten, or even the Big Big 12, which is having their media days currently, check out each of those individual podcasts wherever you get your podcasts just like this one. All right, without further ado here on a Thursday, let's get into it. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 15th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, producing DJ and PK in the morning. Some of you might know me by by my alter ego on that station, known as Yawk, but hope you guys are all doing great out there wherever you might be. Want to encourage you guys right off the top of today's podcast to make sure you guys are following the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Search out Locked On Cougars, whichever social media platform is your favorite or favorites make sure to follow us and interact with us we have a lot of fun and hope you guys will have some fun along for the ride with us here a lot to get to ahead on today's show so let's start off with a position preview yesterday we talked about the new Frodo position yes the Frodo position I that's a great name by the way Frodo of all things somebody apparently is a Lord of the Rings fan in the BYU coaching staff and went with that Monday we talked about BYU's quarterback Today, we're going to stick with the defensive theme. We're going to talk about nose tackles for BYU. Now, 2020 saw Kyrus Tonga's career as a BYU Cougar come to a close. He was drafted by the Chicago Bears in the seventh round of this past NFL draft and wishing him nothing but the best of success as he goes to the Windy City and joins the Bears there. Hope he's able to show out. The question mark now is after he has been a stalwart for BYU at nose tackle, and I mean a stalwart, he played a lot of snaps, took up a lot of blocks, took on a lot of different assignments playing that nose tackle position. How does BYU go about replacing that production, and do they have guys on the roster that can do that? It is my opinion, Jake Hatch's opinion, that they will be able to replace it, but it will not be with just one guy. If it ends up being one guy, great. But I think it will be a team effort, a total unit effort to replace that production. Now, let's introduce you to the four players listed on BYU's post-spring depth chart, the one they released at BYU Football Media Day. And just a little bit of a heads up 
up on this. All the players we talk about in these position previews, they're coming off of that depth chart. We're not going to prognosticate about a guy switching positions at this point. Very easily could happen. But let's talk about the four contenders to help replace Kairos Tonga at nose tackle. First up, number 62, Atunai Samahe, 6'1", 302-pound redshirt sophomore out of West Jordan, Utah. He is also on the depth chart alongside Caden Haas, who was the primary backup to Kairos Tonga last year. Haas will actually wear the number 95 that Tonga wore last year, so you'll still see number 95 lining up at nose tackle for the Cougars. Haas, a product of Pulaski Academy down there in Arkansas, checks in at 6'2", 322 pounds, a converted offensive lineman. I'm very high on Haas' ability. We'll talk more about that. And then two freshmen are listed as the third co-third string guys on the depth chart. One of them, John Nelson, who we have talked about on this podcast recently as part of our countdown to BYU football. He will wear the number 59, 6'4", 268 pounds. Pretty light considering uh, he's expected to hold up at nose tackle. Then also Jacob Palu, a walk-on defensive lineman from Timview High School, literally just up the road from BYU. He checks in at 6'2", 325 pounds. So by weight, he is the biggest defensive lineman on the nose tackle position for BYU. But I think that all four of these guys will have their opportunities to show what they can do. But I do think it comes down to what can Atunai Samahe and Caden Haas do for BYU. Mahe sat out last year with a, what was it, a a hemorrhage, a, a blood clot in his head that was just a scary, scary situation. I don't, I don't remember exact details on it. Essentially, had that blood clot been in a different vein or, or was it an artery? I don't know what it was. It could have killed him, but he was able to have uh, t- t- take blood thinners, let things clear out, get himself healthy, and now he is back for BYU this year after redshirting last year. And I have to say, Mahe, they list him at six foot one. He maybe is five foot eleven, but he plays with absolutely incredible leverage, which is natural considering he's a shorter defensive lineman. That's what I like about Atunai Semahe is when he was on the field in 2019 for BYU, I thought many of us, and some of you might recall watching him play, you thought, okay, there's the future star defensive tackle or nose tackle for BYU alongside Kairos Tonga, and that was the expectation going into fall camp last year that he would really make a push for extra playing time. It didn't work out that way, as we all know with that redshirt year, the medical redshirt that he took, but that opened the door for Caden Hawes to show what he could do, and I think that Caden Hawes is going to be a perfect foil for what Atunase Mahe offers. What I like about Caden Hawes is he is thick. And what I mean by that is in his rear end, his legs, he is just about as thick a human being as you will see. Not a tall guy similar to Atunase Mahe, but he is near impossible once he gets set, once his tree trunk legs are planted in the ground. Good luck trying to move him one-on-one. And that's what BYU needs from this nose tackle position. If you can hold up, force a double or a triple team by the opposing offensive line, you are doing your job. You're doing exactly what BYU's scheme is set up to do. And I think both Atunai Samahe and Caden Hawes are more than capable of doing just that this year for BYU. I believe it will truly be a two-way uh, 50-50 split on reps for these two young men, barring some sort of injury. The other guy I think that could enter the mix, considering he's got the requisite size, is Jacob Palu. I have seen Palu play at the high school level, very much a standout interior defensive lineman for the Timpview Thunderbirds. Probably needs some more seasoning at the Division One level before you can really count on anything from him, but I think 
think with his size, if you need somebody to go in as a stopgap measure, whether uh, you have a guy go down due to an injury, speaking of Haas or Mahe, Palu very much can enter the mix. He's a very, very strong player. Maybe not the most athletic, but you don't need to be the most athletic at nose tackle. And I don't mean that as a slight to any of these guys at this position. It's just a different role you're asked to take on. You are asked to take on as many blockers and occupy as many blockers as possible to free up your teammates to make the plays. It's a very selfless position. You give yourself up to make sure that the linebackers, defensive ends, safeties, whatever it might be, they get the glory because they go out and get the tackle. But anybody who really watches the defense, when an effective nose tackle is out there and is doing his job, it makes everybody else's job on the defense that much easier. And I really like the potential of both Atunai Samahe and Caden Haas this year. I think it'll be a true 50-50 split in terms of reps unless one of them shows to be significantly better than the other. But both, I think, are more than capable of being the guy or the guys, if you will, to replace Kairos Tongan. I'm actually quite bullish that the nose tackle position will actually be just fine considering you just lost a three-year starter in Kairos Tonga. Kind of hard to believe that, I understand, but I truly believe that BYU is set up to succeed at nose tackle, and I think they will have the horses to hold up and the fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever you want to do, just praying that they stay healthy throughout the entire upcoming campaign. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll look back at a season that was very much up and down for BYU, looking back at the 100 seasons of BYU football. We enter the back half of the 1980s talking about the 1986 campaign. We'll get to that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends at Bet Online. It is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is back in swing after taking a break for the All-Star game. I believe it's the Yankees and the Red Sox tonight, the lone game on national TV. You can bet on that. You can bet on a myriad of other things out there in the sports world, whether it's futures, all when it comes to college football or the NFL, the NBA Finals are still ongoing, UFC, MMA, you want to bet on the Open Championship in golf, BetOnline has it for you all. Get to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all their sporting news. They've got all the different prop bets, odds, whatever you're looking for, it's all available there. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams are in action. Take advantage of their offers they have available to you guys, including our special offer right here on Locked On Cougars. That being a 50% welcome bonus courtesy of our friends at Bet Online. It's 50% of whatever you deposit the first time added in as free money to play around with on Bet Online's website. Take advantage of it now. All you got to do is use the promo code Locked On when you get to BetOnline.ag. L O C K E D O N. Get that 50% welcome bonus. Take advantage of it now. It's all courtesy of your friends over at Bet Online as they are your online sportsbook experts. NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Continuing on now on a Thursday with our 100 seasons of BYU football look back at 1986 for the BYU football program. And a note about this is 1986 is the only season that we have remaining before yours truly was not on this planet for that 
season. I was born in 1987. That probably dates myself. I'm in my mid-30s now. But funny enough, 1986, the last season that yours truly, Jay Catch, was not a human being here on Earth for? I don't know. I don't know how you want to term That's kind of awkward. But nonetheless, let's talk about the 1986 season. Obviously, we talked about 1985 as well as 1984 earlier this week. Those are two really, really big seasons. Of course, the pinnacle coming with that national championship in 1984. But as the back half of the 1980s came, BYU found themselves in a little bit of a quarterback situation with regards to not having the quote-unquote successor set up to stay step in and take over. You think about it, the run we have talked about here, we went from Gary Scheide to Gifford Nilsson to Mark Wilson to Jim McMahon to Steve Young to Robbie Bosco. Well, 1986 came and BYU didn't have that quote-unquote ready-made replacement for Robbie Bosco after he graduated in 1985. His backup, who'd actually been a backup to a number of these star quarterbacks we've talked about, was Blaine Fowler, who now works for BYU TV, one of the play-by-play, he's a color analyst, I guess, for BYU TV. He was the chief backup and both of them graduated after the 1985 season. That left a wide-open quarterback position, seemingly for the first time in the better part of 15 years? Well, the job was won by Steve Lindsley, of all people, and he's probably the most unlikely of the bunch you would have thought that was a contender for this job. It was a four-quarterback race to replace Robbie Bosco. Mike Young, that last name should sound familiar. He was the younger brother of Steve Young, was in contention. He was a junior during the 1986 season. Many thought he might be the odds-on favorite to win the job, having two years remaining in his career. Also, Sean Covey, a sophomore, ended up redshirting during 1986. He was part of the battle. And then Bob Jensen, who ended up as, I guess, the chief backup for Lindsley, was also in the mix. He was a sophomore as well. But Steve Lindsley, six foot, 185 pound, former Skyline Eagle, also went to Rick's College, was an all-conference performer up there in Rexburg before walking on at BYU, became the first walk-on quarterback return missionary to start for Lavelle Edwards, and also was the oldest player, I think, in terms of overall age, as a one-year starter for BYU, as a senior, a redshirt senior at that. Almost 25 years old, according to some of the uh, some of the comments that I not comments the articles I was reading. But Lindsley stepped in at the helm of the BYU offense and very much had a lot on his plate. Lindsley was quoted in the Los Angeles Times in a story by Scott Howard Cooper as saying that he expects to be the guy. And he said, "quote I can just tell people from the start, hey, I'm not going to break McMahon's career records because I don't have his kind of a time." Lindsley also added, but I do think I'm the type of quarterback who can also step in and do the job without breaking stride. He says, I remember when Robbie Bosco came back for a senior year after winning the national championship and was like, hey, I've got to throw for 500 yards and six touchdowns every game or people are going to be disappointed. He had all of that pressure. I don't have much, but there's still some pressure on anyone who is the starting quarterback at BYU. What I want to do is be a puppet in their hands, speaking of the coaches. I just want to accomplish the team goals, and that is to win games. Well, how did that go in 1986 for Steve Lindsley? He was very quick in this article also to mention that 
I don't have the experience of a Robbie Bosco for my senior year, but I've surrounded myself with two All-Americans, speaking of wide receiver Mark Bellini and tight end Trevor Molini, and one potential All-American in fullback slash running back Locke Hemuli with me on offense. My job is to get the ball to them and let them do their thing. That takes the pressure off of me. That was very much how BYU went about their offense in 1986. As I mentioned, not having a standout quarterback was very different in the 15th year of the Lavelle Edwards tenure, and BYU didn't necessarily have the same type of season they probably expected. They started it in fine fashion. They were ranked 18th entering the season as they hosted Utah State in Cougar Stadium for the battle for the Beehive Boot, and started off in fine fashion. A 52 to nothing shutout of the Aggies sent them packing back to Logan, followed that up a week later by jumping seven spots in the national rankings, beating New Mexico in a thriller 31 to 30, but then they went to number seven Washington and were summarily dismissed 52 to 21. They were ranked number 11 in that game as a number 11 versus number 7 matchup. The Huskies, very, very good under Don James. And the Huskies, like I said, sent the Cougars packing. 52-21 to coming back to Provo. Temple made the trip out from Philadelphia. BYU wins that game 27-17. to So the first month of the year, all things considered, BYU was 3-1. and They'd fallen out of the national rankings after getting absolutely blasted by Washington. Then October came. BYU hosted Colorado State on October 3rd, lost that game 24-20. to Then finished out the month on a three-game win streak, going to Wyoming, winning 34-22, beating UTEP 37-13 in Provo, and winning a thriller at Hawaii 10-3 in Aloha Stadium. So BYU comes out of October in pretty good shape, all things considered. Just two losses on the season, but November, very much a different story. They hosted Oregon State on November 15th, lost that game 10-7. Kind of indicative of BYU's struggles on offensive points during the season. It was not the high-flying Cougar offense of old. They still did take care of business at Utah and Rice Stadium, winning that game 35-21 to to continue their dominance over the Utes. Lost 10-3 at San Diego State in Jack Murphy Stadium on November 29th. Then finished out the regular season at Air Force winning that game 23-3 on December 6th. So, BYU comes out of the regular season 8-4. Obviously not a double-digit win season that BYU had been enjoying outside of 1982 since the late 70s. A down year, plain and simple. But BYU got another opportunity to show what they could do when they faced off against number 15 UCLA on December 30th in the Freedom Bowl. And this was an essential home game for UCLA. It was played at Anaheim Stadium in Anaheim, California. Those of you who know your Southern California uh, geography know that Westwood, where the Rose Bowl is at, uh, Pasadena, where the Rose Bowl is at, is what I should say, and UCLA. Not very far from Anaheim, and BYU struggled in that game, losing 31-10. to That capped their season overall at 8-5. and They finished second in the WAC behind San Diego State, who they lost to in Jack Murphy Stadium. With a 6-2 and WAC record, the Aztecs finished 7-1 and to win the WAC. They went and actually played the home game, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in the Holiday Bowl there at Jack Murphy Stadium as the WAC champion. But BYU, once again, keeps their bowl streak alive, but it was very much a down year for the Cougars. But despite the quote-unquote down year for BYU, there were plenty of good things who came out of the season. Steve Lindsley, as we have talked about, he was a six-foot, 185-pound quarterback, not the biggest guy on. The-
on the field, but had a pretty decent season overall for the Cougars if you look at the statistics. Not necessarily anything record-breaking because we already acknowledged he said, hey, I'm not going to break records here, but still was a very effective quarterback for BYU leading them to that bowl game. He uh, ended up this season having a grand total of 2,247 yards passing, 12 touchdowns, but the number that absolutely killed him, 18 interceptions. Bob Jensen played a fair amount, passing for 465 yards. He had three touchdowns against four interceptions. And another note about Steve Lindsay, took 31 sacks. That's a lot of sacks to absorb as a quarterback. But he did get the ball out to Lake Himuli. Himuli came just 44 yards, excuse me, not 44, 34 yards short of a 1,000-yard rushing season, had seven touchdowns, also added a touchdown through the air and 407 yards. So a great season in terms of just over 1,300 total yards of offense for him. Mark Bellini, as we mentioned, the All-American candidate, had five touchdowns to go with 839 yards, and Trevor Molini, two touchdowns and 444 yards for the Cougars in the passing game. Defensively, though, the two big standouts for BYU's team were first-round draft picks, Sean Knight, as well as Jason Buck. Both of them will be names I think are familiar to many of you who have paid attention to BYU history. Both of them first-round draft picks, Knight a first-round 11th overall pick by the New Orleans Saints. Injuries really affected him. He had a great senior year at BYU in 1986, though. Finished the year with a grand total of 16 sacks, and that's what propelled him to being the number 11 overall pick. But injuries, as I mentioned, very much affected him. He played three seasons in the NFL for three different teams. Never panned out. But Jason Buck, a different story. The Outland Trophy winner, the best interior defensive or offensive lineman in the entire country. That was the award he was given. He had 13 sacks for the Cougars, 17 quarterback hits, a total of 59 overall tackles for the Cougars, wins the Outland Trophy Award, is drafted 17th overall by the Cincinnati Bengals, had a nice long run in the NFL, winning a Super Bowl along the way with the Washington Redskins after being drafted by the Bengals and ultimately going to Washington. Can I say the Redskins now? Washington football team. That's what I should say. Apologies for that. But I look at this season, and there were plenty of high notes from BYU, despite the lackluster overall showing for the Cougars. And we'll continue to talk about this back half of the 1980s for BYU until some young young punk, if you will, or young man who came in having rewritten all the record books in Texas, a little scrawny freshman, kind of Steve Lindsley's size. Ty Detmer comes in in the late 1980s, and obviously we all know what happened with him in the early 1990s. But we'll continue to break down these seasons year by year as we get closer and closer to BYU football rejoining our lives. Just 51 days away, folks. We are that close. Think about it. You can almost taste it. I know that. And we'll be excited for that as it gets closer and closer. All right, coming up next, though, we will wrap up today show with some other news and notes involving BYU Athletics. An All-American citation handed out. We'll talk about all of that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Built Bar. I know you guys are probably sick of me talking about these bars, but I kind of have to do it for my job right here on the podcast. But in addition to that, I absolutely love Built Bars. I have never craved a protein bar until I had a Built Bar. They're soft and easy to chew. They're covered in 100% chocolate. I mean this when I say it. They taste like a candy 
bar. I believe you guys will be thoroughly impressed with them. Want you guys to give them a shot. They have nine base flavors available to you guys at all times. Also limited time flavors that are always available as well. Such as recently the grasshopper cookie. If you didn't take advantage of that offer, don't know when it's going to come back, but I hope it comes back soon. Also uh, other flavors like cookies and cream and German chocolate are back for a limited time run right now. My favorite flavor though of them all, cherry barcia. I don't think there's a better bar in the entire line, but the funny thing is there's not a bad bar in the entire flavor profile of Built Bars. Get to Built.com right now. You can check out all the different flavors available to you guys. Place your order there, and while you're placing that order, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off that order. Get enjoying the best-tasting protein bars and do it with Built Bar. All right, my friends, need to talk to you guys today about our good friends over at Rock Auto. You probably heard me talk about them in the past, but they are the place to go if you need anything for your vehicle, and I mean that sincerely. Whether it's a daily driver, a classic muscle car, your family station wagon, I don't care what it is, Rock Auto is your online resource for all the parts your car, truck, or SUV will ever need. They have all the different manufacturers available to you guys at any time. You can go online, search it, find the prices you prefer, the specifications, the manufacturers. They've got that all for you guys in their online catalog. The best part about Rock Auto is it's a family business been serving auto parts customers for 20 years online. They want to make it as simple as possible and as inexpensive as possible to take care of your vehicle. For example, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from a chain store, just $216 from Rock Auto. So why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts when you can get them at Rock Auto? And oh, by the way, they ship them directly to your door. Take advantage now. Go to their easy to use website today to find the solution for all of your auto part needs. They have, I mean, literally every part you could ever imagine. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on or locked on Cougars in the how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low price, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. Before we go here on a Thursday, happy Alden Tofa Day to you all. As I mentioned, we are 51 days away from BYU football being back in our lives. And Alden Tofa wears the number 51. The defensive lineman expected to take on a bigger role this year for the Cougars. And here's hoping he can achieve his potential. Because Alden Tofa, I believe when he was coming out of high school, had every bit the opportunity to be a star player for BYU. Similar to what I think a guy like his high school teammate, speaking of Atunai Samahe, who we spoke about earlier, different types of defensive linemen but I think both of them have the ability to be impact players for the Cougars and hopefully Alden Tofa can accomplish that this season. Other notes before we go here on this Thursday edition of the show include BYU Women's Soccer. They had their conference schedule revealed. They'll start off conference play in West Coast Conference action on October 2nd at Gonzaga. They will only get one crack at defending national champion Santa Clara. That will come on October 30th on the road out there in Santa Clara, California. I like the way things set up for the Cougars, though, because they'll open up at Gonzaga, then have three straight home matches against conference opposition. The back half of the schedule does feature a lot more road games, as I mentioned, at Santa Clara, at San Francisco, at Portland. All of them very much capable teams and very tough teams for BYU, but that's how things go in the West Coast Conference. This is a conference that I think it's overlooked in terms of its overall depth and power when it comes to women's soccer, but we all know that Jennifer Rockwood will have her team ready to rock and roll, and BYU trying to follow up an 11-4-1 and overall record in a second-round appearance in the NCAA tournament this fall. 
I believe they are totally capable of either accomplishing that or even succeeding or superseding it, superseding it this coming season. We'll have to wait and see. That season gets underway in just under a month. Crazy to think it's going to be back that quickly, but looking forward to it all the same. And then finally, today's show, congratulations to BYU standout golfer Carson Lundell. He was named Monday to the NCAA Division I Ping All-American team by the Golf Coaches Association of America. He was named Honorable Mention All-American and becomes now the 82nd All-American honoree in BYU men's golf history. He was the number one spot for the Cougars all throughout the season this past year and very much had a stellar season. Was the individual... uh, person responsible for representing BYU at the NCAA championships as they did not make it as a team this year, but I believe that he will be expecting to take his team to the NCAA championship with him next year. He'll have guys like Cole Ponich and David Timmons who will be uh, playing alongside him. And by the way, Lundell, Ponich, and Timmons will be playing in the U.S. Amateur. They made it out of the qualifier at Soldier Hollow Golf Course last week. Very cool to see all three of these BYU golfers getting a chance to go to the U.S. Amateur. Hoping they all represent BYU well in that field in the coming weeks when that takes place. All right, that is going to do it here on a Thursday. A big thank you once again for you guys' continued support of the podcast. As always, please follow us on social media, as I mentioned. Locked on Cougars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. My personal Twitter feed, I like to interact with people of all types and varieties and cover a number of sports on that front, is at Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, you can reach out to the show anytime via email by emailing us at lockedonbyu at gmail.com. A reminder for you guys before we go today to make sure you check out the Locked On Today podcast next. It is your 20-minute or less update on all the other sports news across the entire sports universe. And like I mentioned, 20 minutes or less, you'll be up to speed. Download it, listen to it wherever you get podcasts just like this one. All right, that's going to do it. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 15th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow. tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait find locked on college basketball on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts part of the locked on podcast network your team every day